Good morning, you may be seated. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Church Pineville to a very special morning in which in a few moments we'll be honoring our graduates and their parents and their grandparents here briefly. So it's always an exciting day when we get to do that as a church. If, uh, if you are a first-time guest, we would love to know more about you. You'll see in the bulletin a blue insert card. If you'd fill that out and put that in the offering plate or at the end of the service, turn it in. You'll be able to uh, turn that in with a prayer request or uh, any, uh, any information about your family, and you get to get a free copy of our pastor's book and meet him as well. Do you do selfies as well? He'll do a selfie too as well. He did that last night for our graduation service. So, By the way, our pastor did a fantastic job this morning at the baccalaureate service. So thank you, brother. Good word. You called them losers, and that's a good thing. So thank you, brother. Appreciate it. He did a fantastic job. Very proud of him and our graduates. So at this time, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our service. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this exciting day in which we can celebrate the achievements of these graduating seniors. We pray, Lord, that you have blessed them and guide them as they take a new step of faith on this journey of faith. I pray that you be with their parents, give them wisdom, give them guidance, and help them during this time of transition. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come and worship you this morning freely, an opportunity which we can leave our burdens and everything that we have at your feet, Lord Jesus. I pray that you be with our pastor as he delivers the message you put upon his heart. Lead God and direct us, Lord Jesus, and may everything that is done here this morning bring honor and glory unto you, Lord Jesus. For we ask these things in your powerful and your holy name. Amen. We sing together today, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. He is our provider of life and our sustainer of life today. Amen. And we pray that for our graduates today. Would you stand together as we sing, to God be the glory. To God be the glory, great things he hath done, so
praise the Lord today. Amen. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Brother Kevin. Thank you, choir. Isn't it great to see graduates? How many of you remember? Amen. How many of you remember your graduation day? Yeah. How many of it was it last century, like mine, last century? <laughs> I better be careful. It is really an honor to have you here today, and not only are we honoring our graduates, but there's also another special group of folks we want to honor. If you are a parent or a grandparent of one of these graduates, would you please stand at this time so we can acknowledge you? Thank you so much. We had a great time last night at our senior banquet. Uh, we had so many folks that helped us out. It was just a great night of fellowship, and, and we're very proud of our graduates. We love our graduates, and please know parents and students, we want to do everything that we can to, to continue to help you on your life's journey of faith. And uh, I want to share with you just one brief passage of Scripture here before we start. And last night we gave you a copy of God's Word, and that's God's GPS system. It's His lamp and your feet and a light into your path. And I just want to remind you of the Lord told uh, Joshua after the passing of Moses, he made it very clear, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it both day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you may go. And I want to encourage you to walk in obedience to listen to God's righteous standard and his decree. If you want to know what the Lord's will is, it is his will that you be holy. And if you live a life that is holy and righteous, your path will indeed be straight. Graduates, we love you, we're proud of you, and we are praying for you. Let's recognize our graduates at this time. Mr. Cameron Bates. Cameron is the son of David and Tracy Bates. He's graduating from Pineville High School and plans to, attack, plans to attend Louisiana Tech to play football and major in accounting with a minor in business. Okay. Haley Coates. Haley is the daughter of Toby and Melissa Coates. She's graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend the University of Louisiana Monroe and major in nursing. Rebecca Canella. She's the daughter of David and Tammy Canella. She's graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend Louisiana Tech University. Uh, she plans to major in chemistry and hopes to go into pharmacy. Tori Dunning. Tori is the daughter of Joseph Dunning and the late Angela Dunning. Also, she's the stepdaughter of Marie Dunning. She's graduated from Pineville High School and plans to attend Pineville Beauty School of Cosmetology in the fall. Breland Morris. She is the daughter of Dan and Julie Morris. She's graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend Louisiana Tech University where she will major in interior design. 
Cameron Morrison. He is the son of Blake and Liz Morrison. He's graduating from Grace Christian School and plans to attend Louisiana Tech University where he will major in criminal justice. Caitlin Rashto. Caitlin is the daughter of Harold and Jane Rashto. She's graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend Northwestern State University to pursue a degree in nursing. Caitlin Strange. Caitlin is the daughter of Scott and Tracy Strange. She's graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend the University of Louisiana in Monroe to major in nursing, but plans to become a nurse. A nurse. Sarah Toll. She is the daughter of Troy and Melanie Toll. She is graduating from Tioga High School and plans to attend Louisiana State University where she will major in pre-med. Dylan Van Huff. He is the son of Lauren and Jennifer James. He is graduating from Tioga High School and plans to attend Louisiana State University in Alexandria where he will major in nursing. Once again, church, let's show our love and appreciation for these graduates. Congratulations, class of 2018. Pastor Stewart, would you please come? Students, I now have a sparkly hand. Uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for uh, allowing us to pour into you over the last several years here at the church. And a lot of you will be leaving us going on to different places and school and career paths. And we want you to know that we're proud of you. We're proud of the accomplishments you've made in high school. And uh, many of you have done quite well. And we look forward, though, to see what all's to come in the future. And as I prayed over you last night, I want to encourage you again today to, even as you leave here, to continue and be first. Be focused on God in all things. Be uh, involved in ministry. Find a Baptist collegiate ministry wherever your school is. Find a local church where your school will be or wherever God moves you for a career so that you can become respected by your peers as you're leading by example. Be strong in the faith and grow in the faith each day and continually each, each day as you spend time with the Lord, be transformed by Christ. If you do those things, you'll be successful no matter what kind of path God leads you down in the future. Continue to follow God's call for your life and allow him to guide and bless you. Church family, would you join me in praying for these graduates? And just as a sign of all of us being together, if you just stretch out your arms toward them and your hands as us saying, we're behind you and we're with you, all right? Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you and we lift up these students to you. God, thank you so much for what they've become and what they are becoming. Lord, they have bright and amazing futures ahead of them. And I pray, Lord, that you would just pour into them in amazing ways over the next several years. God, we're thankful for the way we've been able to pour into them. Several of these uh, students have been part of our children's ministry, on up through our youth ministry. And God, I pray that they've been shaped and molded in their faith to be able to go to the next level. Lord, grow them deeper every day. Lord, 
help them to depend upon you and to rely upon you. Lord, may your word not depart from their lives and may they walk in it every day. We ask God that you place a hedge of protection around them. We pray, Lord, that you'd provide good friends, solid Christian friends and new environments that will help them to continue to grow. And Lord, we pray that you'd bless them and their families in a great way as they give glory and honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Y'all may be seated. I've invited some of our students to come and sing with us uh, this morning. So we have a multi-generational praise team today. And just so thankful. We're going to sing a song called God is Able. And that's the truth of today, that he is able to take care of us. He is able to direct our path. He is able to sustain us today. Amen? So we sing that truth. You worship as we sing. Defeated the grave, raised to 
stand with us together, standing on the promises today. Let's sing together. Standing on the promises of Christ my Let us pray. Father, this week I lost a friend, someone that I'd worked with for 35 years, that lost his battle with cancer. And Father, there's just so many of our friends, so many of our family members, so many of our church family, Father, that are suffering from some type of cancer and other major illnesses of the body, Father. And there's some that are recovering from surgery, Father, others that have surgery scheduled. And I just, I just pray, Father, that you be with each of these. You know who they are, Father. Put your arms around them. 
Just love on them, Father. Reach down and touch them. Yes, Father. And Lord God, this morning, there's thousands of men and women serving in our military that are stationed all over this world that are willing to sacrifice their life for our freedom. And I just lift them up to you, Father, and pray that you just put your arms around each one, place a shield of protection around them, Father. And Lord God, be with their loved ones at home that are waiting for their return and just, just flood them with the wonderful love of God. And Lord God, as our pastor is ready to present your word in the message that you've given him this morning, Father, I just pray that you open our hearts and our minds that we receive it in the manner that you intend. And Father, everything that we have, you have provided. And now it's time in the service that we give a portion back to you. And I just pray that you bless the gift and the giver in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, students. Wasn't that great? Man, good job, guys. We're so excited for our graduates and so thankful for them. And thank you to our guests who are here today supporting them. Most of you have been to baccalaureate already this morning, and uh, so have I. So you'll be all right. You'll survive. (laughs) It's good to have a time of worship together this morning. And um, we're continuing our series called Jesus, Who Are You? with a message I've entitled, How to Have Life Satisfaction and Sustenance. My school bus route when I was in elementary and junior high school, used to go right in front of the former Wholesome Bread Bakery in Alexandria. And um, when we would drive by that bakery with the windows down, it became tradition at that point in our bus route for everybody on the bus to say, smell the fresh bread, man. And oh, that, oh, I could still smell it today. That was such a wonderful smell. It was so good. And smelling that bakery at three o'clock in the afternoon after a long day at school made us all long for a, a warm, buttered slice of hot bread or maybe a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with that fresh bread that would stick to the roof of your mouth, you know, and then you can't eat it later. So you get it off. And it was just great memories. And riding along, we would just, you know, in the afternoon when you're hungry already, oh, life would be perfect even on this bus if we just had a slice of that bread. Perhaps you're hungry this morning, hungry for a good life. Seniors, you may be looking at All that's ahead and hoping for a great life. Others of us are hoping for similar things no matter what stage of life we're in. And if you're hungry, can I encourage you this morning to smell the fresh bread? Because it's available to you. You don't have to drive by. The bread that we're talking about today is here this morning and it's available. And of course, I'm talking not about wholesome bread. That bakery is closed but I'm talking about spiritual bread. If you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, verses 25 through 29. John chapter 6, verses 25 through 29. The sixth chapter of John's gospel is a fascinating uh, chapter in John's already fascinating gospel. And this chapter begins with Jesus feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. A good problem had developed that day. The People wanted more of Jesus. Unfortunately, no one had planned a covered dish luncheon. So no one had brought fried chicken and deviled eggs and banana pudding. And all the ladies were getting nervous. So therefore, Jesus said, well, how much food is available? Unfortunately, only only one little boy had a rather nasty snackable available. Five barley loaves, two fish. Nevertheless, Jesus said, that's plenty. We'll put everybody on a diet. No. He took that little bit of food and he somehow multiplied it, blessed it, and fed everyone. It was incredible. And later that night, Jesus walked on water and helped his disciples walk through a storm. The next day, it turned out that the crowd who had been fed wanted to see Jesus some more. And they found out that Jesus had not left in the boat with his disciples. And so they thought, well, they'd wait around to see if Jesus was somewhere when he would come around. But they found out that he had already gone across to Capernaum like his disciples. And it's here that we pick up the story in verse 24 of chapter 6. 
Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're, not, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. The people who had their tummies filled that day before returned to the provider again. The people thought they had found a Piccadilly Messiah who could provide for all of their needs and all of their food. They would have a lifelong meal ticket with this guy. Bring him a can of tuna, and he'll serve a four-course meal. Jesus, though, was on to them. He said, you're looking for me because you had your stomachs filled. Jesus knew this was the only people, only reason these people were following him. He, he looked into their hearts, and he saw no deep spiritual longing. He saw no deeper desire. He only saw the grumbling stomachs, hungry for a buffet. Give me, give me more. That's all he saw. Jesus, though, wants more than that. And so Jesus gives an important lesson. Look at verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus says, you're looking for the wrong thing. You've got to place your sights on things above. Look beyond the temporary things of this world to the internal things of the kingdom of God. No doubt there are millions of people starving in the world today. I, I heard once of a 90-year-old man who spends his time feeding the poor, and that's a great work. Providing for physical needs is good. It's a noble thing, but these words of Jesus challenge us with an even greater thought. As important as physical sustenance is, eternal sustenance is much more important. Grains and beans and vegetables and beef, whatever food we grow, it all eventually perishes. Whatever groceries we buy, they all eventually spoil. There may be such thing as a non-perishable food item, but they are perishable. When I was about four, my dad returned home from hunting one evening at my grandma Holloway's house in Forest Hill and Dad had found, while he was out hunting, an unopened can of SpaghettiOs out in the woods. Some hunter had dropped them some time back, we assumed. It had been there a long while. You know how a can can get if it's protected enough, but it's been there a while. And Daddy jokingly asked, Stu, do you want these? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Food perishes. Now, I know on the internet you can find pictures of a 20-year-old McDonald's cheeseburger and a 40-year-old Twinkie, and yeah, you can see them, but nobody's eating them. <laughs> that food has perished even after it's turned into a hardened mass of preservatives. Food perishes, but the gospel endures forever. 
Jesus looked at those hungry people following him and he said, don't come to me because I gave you a fillet of fish. Come because I can satisfy your deepest longings. Each of us is a spiritual being. We have an eternal, never-dying soul. And when this body dies, that soul will live on forever, either in the glory of heaven or in the gore of hell. And your soul longs for spiritual bread that will feed it forever and take it to heaven. How do you get that bread? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 29, you believe in the one God has sent. Who is that? Well, it's Jesus. You get the enduring bread through faith in Jesus. The only work you do is believe. Trying to work your way to salvation is actually an offense to God. Imagine you hosted a fish fry at your house for some friends and it's a great time. You have fish, and you have all different kinds of sides, and you have some great desserts. But suppose when it came time for everybody to leave, all the friends start taking out their wallets, and they say, man, that was great, but how much do we owe you? Now, you'd say, you don't owe me anything. This is for you. And they say, well, no, no, we do owe you something. We're not freeloaders. What, what can we give you for, for what you've done today? Just that offer would be an insult, wouldn't it? You're offering a gift to your friends. Yet how often do we find ourselves going through life trying to pay God for the free meal? And in the process, we insult him. As Jesus says in verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him who has sent. In other words, the bread that endures unto eternal life is the bread that is freely given and it's freely received. It comes through belief. We don't pay for it ourselves. We don't pay because we could never pay. What we do is we believe and we receive. Well, the people continued in verse 30. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written... He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, Jesus, so uh, what magic will you do for us that we may believe? Well, none. Jesus only performed miracles to teach, never as stunts or proofs of just simply his power. Every miracle had a message. They pressed him, what will you do? When Moses led the people out of Egypt, they got kind of hungry out there in the desert. And so God provided manna from heaven. All of our forefathers had to do was to go outside and pick it up. You know, Jesus, it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Don't you love it when idiots quote scripture? Why don't you do something like that? Jesus responds. I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus explains that the manna was not the true spiritual bread. It was only an illustration of the true spiritual bread that was to come. 
They didn't realize that the manna of old was a picture of Christ pointing ahead towards him. Think about it. The manna came down from heaven. So did Jesus. The manna sustained the people physically. Jesus sustains people spiritually. The manna was small. Jesus was humble. The manna was white. Jesus was pure. Manna was accessible to everybody. All they had to do was go pick it up. Jesus also is accessible to everybody. All we must do is repent of our sins and receive him. The people could either tread on the manna or they could pick it up. And still today, people either tread on Jesus or they receive him. Of course, when Jesus shared this, they, the people didn't get it. They thought Jesus was talking about just some other kind of physical bread that was even greater than manna. It sounded great. This bread could uh, give life to the whole world. Starvation could end. Everyone could be satisfied. And the people thought that they had it all figured out. Okay, Jesus, don't give us fish and hush puppies anymore. Now we want this stuff. Don't even give us manna. We want whatever this new kind of bread is that's coming down from heaven. Give that to us. It sounds awesome. We want nothing less than the best. And Jesus' response is stunning. He says, I am the bread of life. I can only imagine the people's faces. We can't eat you. And Jesus had them. I am the bread of life is the first of seven distinctive I am statements in John's gospel. And we find these statements by Jesus nowhere else in the gospels. And they're important because in them Jesus unequivocally identifies himself as God. When God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he did so with the name I am. God's name is a state of being. It captures the idea of past and pre-existent as well as present and continuing. He just is. I am. God is a state of being. And so now, seven times in John, Jesus says, I am the something. I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. Seven times. I am something. And here's the first. I am the bread of life. What a statement. It's no coincidence that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, as prophesied hundreds of years before by the prophet Micah. Jesus continues talking and sharing with them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. You know, hunger and thirst are the two most demanding of physical needs. And so Jesus takes them here and he transfers them to the, phys to the spiritual sphere. And he promises the complete an abiding satisfaction of both. And the result is an amazing life. To emphasize what he does, in verse 35, Jesus uses two double negatives. Now, your English teacher doesn't allow double negatives. But your Greek teacher would. 
If the Greeks wanted to make a strong negative statement, they could use a double negative. And so the first double negative translated in the NIV is, will never go hungry. Literally, it's something like this, shall not never hunger. And the next one is, will never be thirsty. And it's something like, shall not never be thirsty. One commentator said, Jesus could not have made it any stronger. True eternal satisfaction and sustenance comes from Jesus. Spiritually, you will not never hunger or thirst. The result of receiving Jesus is the fact that you will always be with Jesus. In verse 37, Jesus uses another double negative when he says, I will never drive away. It's literally something like, I will not never drive them away. Therefore, you will never hunger or thirst, and you'll never be alone. Never, ever, ever. In verse 40, we see the heart of God. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. God desires for everyone to accept Jesus and be saved Ultimately, the choice lies in our will, our free will. We must look to the Son and believe. The gift is always offered. And when we do, we find the satisfaction and sustenance we need. Physical bread may sustain life, but it cannot give life. Jesus, the bread of life, can do that. God has always been the provider and of satisfying and sustained life. Consider Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 3. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? It continues, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. God's always been about providing this satisfied and sustaining life, but the Jews didn't get it. In fact, if you look at verses 41 and following, look at what they say. At this time, this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? The Jews begin to grumble. Who does Jesus think he is? They didn't get that Jesus was the bread of life, but even more, they got hung up on the came down from heaven stuff. They asked, isn't this, isn't this the kid Jesus? Can't you hear somebody? I knew his daddy Joseph built my cabinets in my house. Ain't nothing special about that boy. How can he say he came down from heaven? Jesus tells them, stop grumbling among yourselves. And he presents himself as the bread of life again. Look at verse 50. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Now Jesus uses highly sacrificial language to carry out this point. He tells us we are to take and eat his flesh and for our life. And he shows that he will give his life and his flesh for the world. The people who, who heard him there knew he wasn't proposing cannibalism. But it was still a very difficult statement. It may be difficult to you as well. Perhaps you're thinking this morning what the Jews did. Well, well, what's the big deal? Allow me to offer two focus points today. The first is that as the bread of life, which you need to partake of, Jesus offers complete satisfaction. Most things in life are like Chinese food. Partake of them and you come up wanting a couple of hours later. As the bread of life, Jesus offers complete satisfaction. People search everywhere for satisfaction. Some look for satisfaction in work and they become workaholics trying to, to do the best job they can to make the most money they can or get the most pats on the back that they can. And, and such a pursuit of satisfaction only leads to burnout and disgust. It never leads to satisfaction. Other people look for satisfaction in relationships and they go from one relationship to the next looking for satisfaction and they never can find it whether it's in friendships or, or uh, opposite sex relationships or multiple marriages. Nowhere can they find the satisfaction they're looking for. People search everywhere for satisfaction and maybe you're searching today. You will never find satisfaction until you look in the right place. And that is to Jesus Christ. Second, as the bread of life, Jesus offers divine sustenance. Jesus not only satisfies us, he sustains us. I find that grape nut cereal is different from Chinese food. You can eat a bowl of grape nuts, and those bad boys stick with you all morning. And they last until lunch. Grape nuts do, as the old timers say, stick to your ribs. Well, as the bread of life, Jesus even does more than just stick to your ribs. He lasts beyond lunch and beyond supper and even a midnight snack. Jesus sustains us for eternity. Jesus says that if we feed on him, the bread of life will never die. We will have everlasting life. Uh, you know the story of Ponce de Leon who traveled to Florida in search of the fountain of youth. Supposedly that fountain could let you drink of it and enjoy perpetual youth. Of course, Ponce de Leon failed in his quest. He's not around today, has evidence of that. There's no such thing for the physical body as a fountain of youth, but there is such a thing for the spiritual body. Jesus is that fountain because Jesus is the bread that sustains life. Jesus, the bread of life, offers divine satisfaction and sustenance. Throughout John's gospel, 
He asks and answers three questions. Jesus, who are you? Jesus, what do you offer? Jesus, how do I get it? In this passage, Jesus, who are you? Today, he says, I am the bread of life. Jesus, what do you offer? He says, I offer satisfaction and sustenance, abundant and eternal life. Jesus, how do I get it? He says, whoever eats this bread will never hunger. He's offering himself to you today. And so you have the choice to choose him or reject him. In the last several years, a lot of people have found they're allergic to gluten. And I pray for you because those of you suffering from that allergy have to stay away from bread. And that's like the best thing in the world. And I heard for you if you have a, a gluten allergy sufferer because I know you too want bread. I know that because I've talked to some of you and I know that because the internet is full of all kind of gluten-free bread recipes. Because we want that so bad. We need bread. We'll even settle for some inferior substitute just to get as close as we can to it. Thankfully, when it comes to spiritual bread, no one's gluten-free. No one has to settle for inferior and nasty substitutes. You and I can have the bread of life. The real thing. The full loaf. As much as we want. So take a good long smell of the bread of life. Let it come in. Savor the smell. Think of the satisfaction he can bring and know of the sustenance he offers. Smell the fresh bread, man. But don't just smell it. Take it. Receive it. And be satisfied and sustained. May we pray together. Lord, we thank you for being the bread of life. God, how we need you. We need you to fill us. We need you to sustain us. Lord, in this room right now, there are those who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. They have never tasted of the bread of life. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. So God, in this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to those who are struggling with this decision to trust you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that today they would do what you say. Do the work. Take and eat. Lord, help them to believe in you, to trust you, to take you in, and to follow you. Lord, for others of us who are seeking satisfaction in so many other ways, Lord, may we put those aside, and may we seek our satisfaction in you. Speak to us during this time of invitation, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.